Let's your pass first point guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Phil, wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube, coming at you every single weekday, Monday through Friday. So make it a part of your daily routine. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked on Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, we're flipping the coin. What if the Blazers just don't do it? What if they don't trade Damian Lillard? We're going to discuss that to open the show. Matisse Thibel is reportedly on the verge of receiving a contract offer from the Dallas Mavericks. It means the Blazers will have to make a choice once the clock starts on restricted free agent Matisse Thibel. And regardless of what the Blazers do, they got more moves to make. I want to talk about those more moves in the third segment. Uh, but let's start with an idea that has been... I would say relatively prevalent in my immediate friend group and also in my email inbox. But it is the idea that what if the Blazers just don't do it? What if they just don't do it? The 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 sort of the 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 winds are swirling. It seems to be in some ways a foregone conclusion. In fact, I've I've basically heard as much from people I trust. It's like the Blazers are gonna trade Dame. But what if they just don't? Let's explore that idea a little bit. He's under contract through twenty the 26-27 season, like uh, three years and, a, and a, a player option for sixty million bucks, sixty three million dollars. He's not turning that down. It's basically four years of four more years of Damian Lillard under contract, technically three if you want to get into it, but four. Um, there, there is. It's not like this is going to. It's like it's not like the clock is really ticking. You know, he's it, it's. It's, he's not entering free agency in the future. You're not going to like lose your lose a great deal of leverage. In fact, um, the argument for not trading Dame, and specifically, I think we should say would be clear here is like not trading Dame to to the Miami Heat, his preferred destination, and the sort of the assumed destination for many across the league is that it's like eventually he's going to get traded to the Heat. They don't have a particularly compelling offer, but they might end up with. The only offer, as it as it, as this turns out. So, what if the Blazers just said, July, August, whatever, forget it. Let's head into training camp when we get to late September and and, and October, and just and just roll with with one of the best players in the history of our franchise, probably the best Blazer of all time. I think Clyde Drexler has a pretty solid claim to the mo- to the most successful Blazer of all time for sure. Um, and Bill Walton won a title, albeit in a shorter career, but like. I've said this before. It's like Dame is like at worst the second best Blazer of all time. It's like a truly a franchise icon under contract for four more years, coming off maybe the best season of his career where he was arguably the best offensive player in the league, or at least one of the five best offensive players in the league. Like he was freaking great. What if you just didn't trade him? It's the the arguments for it is simple, and then the the one I just laid out. The deal's not very good right now. Um, the Miami Heat deal is not very good. Um, Heat fans listening to this right now, it's not very good, y'all. Just chill. You're gonna still end up with, you're still gonna end up with Dame. Just accept that it's a bad deal. Um, it'll be better for everyone. It'll bring, it'll bring you peace. Um, so there is pressure on the Blazers front office to not take a bad deal, to not trade, you know, not not trade Damian Lillard for pennies on the dollar or or whatever it might be, or eighty one cents on the dollar. Um, it's like that's pennies, just eighty one of them. But there's pressure on the front office to, to, you know, when you're making this type of franchise altering move to get some value back for it. And there is just the, sort of the basic logic. Like I said, this is like prevalent in my immediate friend group is like the argument is just like, just wait until, until December and January and February. And when you get up against the trade deadline, offers will get better because there'll be more teams in contention. Um, the way sort of team building works is that typically like 
teams can sort of line themselves up and make decisions on which direction they want to go at the trade deadline and in the offseason they're sort of making uh, more seismic moves so it makes more sense for teams to make more seismic moves but this happened like at a weird time post draft and and uh, post the first day of free agency so maybe some of the teams that would have positioned themselves to make more seismic moves weren't involved in the hunt so if you wait till the deadline you might get a better deal. I think there's, I think that's like almost certainly true is that there would just be more suitors if you waited. I think pressure that if you make the move now, you're getting a worse deal. And if you wait, you get a better deal are just undeniable truths. And like the contract situation is what it is. Like he's under contract for four more years. I don't think it's that simple though. Um, I don't know that the, like the relationship has frayed or whatever. Um, but when you ask, when Dame asked for a trade, it was, um, he knew that this was a big moment after 11 years with the franchise. He's already kind of publicly been using his social media platforms to like have, you know, fans and and acquaintances saying like, thanks for the memories and thanks for all you've done for the, for, for the organization in the city and whatever. And he's like sharing them as if he's gone, right? Like he's already operating that way. There is an awkwardness to bring him back in this situation, not just like um, the sort of emotional awkwardness of Damian Lord coming into to camp and having to be like, yeah, I guess I'm still here. And Joe Cronin having to talk at media day and saying, we are so excited to have Damian Lord on the roster and we're going to try to win a championship. You better believe Joe would say something like that, too. Um it's it, the, there's that awkwardness. There's just like the sort of normal human element of awkwardness that that goes on in all of our lives. But there's also like the basketball awkwardness. If you, if, if Dame comes back after asking, after requesting a trade and after the Blazers drafted his, you know, heir apparent and Scoot Henderson, as opposed to operating all summer with how do these, how do these folks fit together? Most of the operating, at least to now, you know, it's like early July as I'm recording this. Um, it's July. You're listening to July 5th show. Uh, it's like has been, the operating has been like, well, they're not going to fit together. You know, the assumption has largely been they're not going to fit together. In fact, I, I even think on draft night, Joe Cronin was pretty soft on like, can Scoot and Dame play together? He was not emphatic in a way that made me feel like this was a team confident it was moving forward with their franchise icon. And I shared as much as my reaction on this very podcast. But there is there is a, there is just sort of the basketball awkwardness of saying like, okay, Scoot, Dame, you're going to coexist for a little bit. And maybe we'll figure out it works. Maybe it works really well because you're good basketball players and good basketball players can play together. That's kind of the nature of the stuff. But like there's an awkwardness of trying to make that fit. There's an awkwardness of if you know that the future is some version of Scoot Henderson, Shaden Sharp as your sort of foundational young pieces of sacrificing potentially three full months of the season, um, four, depending on how you want to count October and February, but like three plus months of the season. Um holding them, not giving them sort of the full runway to play together, not giving them the full minutes to play together. Because if if Dame is on the team, I suspect he will play. He doesn't strike me as someone who would like sit out for an extended period of time. It's just not, um, does not seem to be in the way he operates. Although like requesting a trade didn't seem to be the way he operates either. So maybe things are changing and we will, I will revisit that particular thought uh, when we get to it. But so there's the basketball awkwardness of like fitting the f- four guards together, Amphrey Simons, Damon Lord, uh, Shane Sharp, Scoot Henderson. And then there's just like the lack of data you would get on what's next. Part of like the appeal of trading Dame now, like, I don't know, appeal is the right word, but part of the, um, 
somewhat of the of the value of trading Dame right now is that you have a clean break, right? You have a perhaps uh, you know rookie of the year type, very good player in Scoot Henderson. You've got uh, Shaden Sharp, who looks like he's going to be a very good player in the league, and you can just kind of like pivot to that immediately, right? Like you can just you're at, you're at this clean breaking point where it's like okay. These two dudes, we'll just go from here with them, and like it's it, it is compared to what other teams do when they have this sort of franchise icon ask out. I think the Blazers have a cleaner landing pad for what they do beyond that, uh, and that. But you don't know what it's going to be, right? Like you know, most rookies are bad. Teenagers are going to struggle in the league, just like sort of learning curve stuff. Even if Scoot is really stinking good, he's probably not like high level, high level impactful towards winning in year one. It seems fairly unlikely. If he is, how fun would that be? But like just in general, even the best rookies usually don't impact winning at a super, super high level. Um, usually that happens in years three and four of, of for young players who are kind of finding the ropes. Good, better, positively impactful at a, at a high level where you can like win, you know, win and make the playoffs and all that. That's, that's like sort of typically year three is typically the big jump for, for folks. But if you have to, if you don't get the data on what the Shaden Sharp, Scoot Henderson duo looks like in year one, because you're holding on to Damian Lillard, figuring out what the next steps are in this rebuild, you're just delaying the sort of awkwardness of it. You're delaying the the you're delaying the ability to sort of make what a decision that feels relatively inevitable. It is um, it, it's it, I don't know that it's like bad or whatever because if you get a bad trade package for Dame, it's also bad. But there are certainly drawbacks from not uh, not settling this in the off season. I've said on this show a bunch recently, and I'll say it again here just in case you're listening for the first time. You should listen every day; it's a great podcast. But um, if, if you're just listening tuning in for the first time I, I my assumption my read on it is that this will take care of itself in the summer like the Blazers will find a landing spot for Dame and I believe that landing spot will eventually be the Miami Heat in some form or fashion probably like a three or four team deal but some form or fashion but I wanted to address the idea because I've seen it come up on social media and I've, I've like literally had this conversation with a couple friends yesterday but like, so what if they don't? What if they just don't? Is, is is not doing it an option? And I think the arguments for not doing it are probably like once in general, it's like you don't want to trade Dame period. But if you get down this this far down the path and, and Dame's requested a trade and it seems um, based on sort of the way the reporting around his camp seems to be and the way that Joe Cronin has handled the sort of public statements, which is with um, some defiance, which I think is his, he should do that. This is not a great situation for him, for him and the franchise to be in. I don't think he should just immediately acquiesce. Um, so I, I totally get it. But like, it does not seem like something that is going to just like go away. Certainly it could. Certainly it could be a, it could be a Kevin Durant situation um, where it's like, Trade demand all summer. You get to August. No real trade can is like available out there for for them, and they have to you know make amends. And everybody comes back, and you play basketball together for a little bit, and you figure it out at the trade deadline. It's exactly what happened to Durant. It seemed inevitable he was going to get traded. He ended up playing half a season in Brooklyn before it came that way. So certainly there is a world where that happens. Like I don't think that that's like I don't think there's a there's a non-zero chance where that happens. But there are certainly some a cost-benefit analysis to just taking care of it now because you have a clean break and all the other sort of awkward stuff that comes with it. Okay, 
Matisse Thibel, speaking of the Blazers' other moves, because regardless of what happens with Dame, they do have to fill out the rest of the roster. Matisse Thibel is reportedly going to receive an offer sheet from the Dallas Mavericks, and it's worth how much money? Oh my goodness. Let's talk about that in the second segment. But first, let me tell you about FanDuel. It's baseball season. So why don't you take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets back. Win or lose. That's 200 you can spend on betting everything from money line to the over-under to who's going to score, who's going to hit the first home run to nerfies. That's no runs first innings for my betting-inclined folks out there in baseball land. It's all that on the FanDuel app that's safe, secure, super easy to use. When you play, you can win Again, when you win, you can get your money instantly. Safe and fast withdrawals so you can get paid quickly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today, fanduel.com slash LockedOnNBA to get $200 in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash LockedOn. I I said the URL wrong, so let me hit it one more time for you. Fanduel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. All right. So the Blazers are probably weighing to some extent how how far do they want to call Dame's bluff. But while they're weighing that, the sort of rest of the machinations of the league are going to move on without them. I think it's pretty reasonable to think that this Dame situation is going to drag on into August. Um, hopefully for everyone's psyche, it gets resolved at some point one way or another. Dame comes back and they win the championship in Portland, or if you're rooting for something else, he wins a championship in whatever part of South Florida you are located in. Or the Hawks. Obviously, he could join the Hawks. Um, (laughs) the, The funniest of all the outcomes is Dame gets traded to a place that no one has mentioned yet. Congratulations. You are a Minnesota Timberwolves. I guess people have mentioned the Timberwolves. It would be the Indiana Pacers. Congratulations. You are are an Indiana Pacer. But before the Dame stuff gets resolved, or as it's being resolved, the rest of the league marches on. And July 6th is the end of the moratorium, which means that Friday when free agency opened was the uh, quote-unquote legal tampering period. The legal tampering period is actually the rest of the NBA season when teams are constantly tampering and it's totally legal. But... um, the legal tampering period. You can agree to contracts, but you can't sign anything that's not a veteran minimum deal. Um, you can it, trades that were agreed to on draft night, but for financial and reasons can't happen. And so the new league year and 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 restricted free agents can't sign can't be sign offer sheets until the moratorium ends, and it ends tomorrow on July sixth. And reportedly, the Blazers only and top restricted free agent Matisse Thybul is going to receive an offer from. The Dallas Mavericks. That's according to a report from Chris Haynes of Turner Sports. Um, This is not that surprising if you've been following the news. Mark Stein over at the Stein line reported on July 3rd that the Mavericks were among the teams interested in the services of Matisse Theibel, but... uh, but or the Blazers were giving the signals, you know, internally around the league that they were going to match any offer for Thibault. And it's like, cool, go ahead. He's part of our plans. You can offer him. We'll be matching. Uh, the way it works is you, 
the, Matisse Thibel goes out and gets an offer sheet from from a team. He signs that. That's like a that's a it's an offer sheet, but it's a contract. It's agreement to a contract. The Blazers are then presented with that offer, and they have 24 hours to match. It used to be 48. Now it's 24. They sped it up in the new league year. It's like let's get it done quickly. The the like drawback for the Mavericks is that if once you make that offer, your money is tied up. But that's why they shorten the period. So instead of two days, it's a day, and then the Mavs can move on if if the Blazers then choose to match. However, the money is the big question here. Um, I saw this aggregated on Twitter. It was a clip from Sports Center and with uh, with Tim McMahon, a Dallas-based reporter who's worked for ESPN for a long time um, in various capacities, but but covered the Mavs a, a bunch over the last decade. Um, and and McMahon said that the uh, Mavs were willing to offer the you know the use use their mid-level exception to make an offer for Matisse Thybul because they're looking for defensive wings to the prop up a defense that kind of fell apart last year. Thibel makes sense. He's one of the best restricted free agents on the market. He's a good defensive player. Like, totally would make sense in Dallas. You see why they would offer him. But the aggregation I saw on this particular clip, which was cut off, was that the Mavs were, quote, willing to offer the full mid-level exception. To me, and and who knows what the aggregators mean by this nonsense, um, you know, do a better job of blogging would be my advice. I I am, like, straight up, this is an aggregation podcast for the most part. I do a little bit of independent reporting, but for the most part, I aggregate things. I try to provide a little bit of context. So let me provide a little bit of context here. The full mid-level exception is four years, $53 million. That's a lot of money for Matisse Thibel. The mid-levels is a contract you can use if you're if you're they the the Mavs move some money around so they have access to the full mid-level they're below the tax line right now so um if if you're over the salary cap but you're not a tax paying team you can use a full mid-level exception it starts at 12.4 million dollars and it's up to a four-year contract with raises each year so a the full mid-level which would hard cap the Mavs it's four years 53 million dollars if the if the Mavs offered Matisse Thibel that money the Blazers will have 24 hours to up to match that contract if they choose to do so. If Portland was trying to win, I think it's a no-brainer that you just say, okay, it's going to be an expensive roster, but Tease is like a valuable part of what we want to do, even if he's like a, it's like a, you know, a low-minute guy or whatever it might be, or a situational defensive ace, or just like our defensive ace, but he doesn't play at the end of the games because we have a bunch of offensive parts in the regular season. We'll figure it out when we get to the playoffs. Um, then I think it's a no-brainer to match this money. If they were trying to win, then you just you just build the most expensive roster you can and you try to go for it, right? Like you just absolutely, um, you, you know, you you think in much smaller windows. Okay, how can we be good for the next 100 games? That that's like the go for it mentality. It's it it is um, what what you're seeing in Phoenix to some extent. Also, just like new owner money is what you're seeing in Phoenix, in Phoenix as well. But like. If they're going to go young, and the fact that the Blazers haven't really done anything else other than sign Jeremy Grant, and that contract, to me, is very odd, um, I'm not sure this is a no-brainer. I think four years and $53 million from Matisse Thibel, it might end up being fine because the cap is projected to go up, and the end of this, um, you know, the end of that contract is going to be a low percentage of the cap. And if like you think that he's a starter or, you know, top six, top seven contributor, then that like paying him $13 million bucks is nothing. I think this is a little rich. Um, I, I am probably lower on Tease than many in the Portland market. So if you think he's really good and I'm a dummy, that is totally, um, it's always within your right to think I'm a dummy. That's like, that's the beauty of the podcast, y'all. But um, for me, this seems a little bit rich. If the Blazers, again, 
they're a different cycle of team building. I think it is a straight up no brainer, straight up no brainer, but they're not in that cycle anymore. They're in a, they're in probably launching a rebuild. Um, and not that the money really matters in a rebuild because their team's probably going to be, um, you know, well below the cap and going to need to pay somebody at some point. And Matisse Thibel could like totally be a helpful part of a young roster. I don't believe in that. Two timelines just means one. It just means your young players are bad. That's all. That's the only thing a two timeline. Two timelines means. Um, it's been real in Portland because the young players maybe weren't ready. But um, it's it, it, it's like there's no the fact that Matisse is going to be 25 or whatever is like not a not a meaningful age to like to pull back on on this deal. It's the money. It's whether you want to commit that much money that many years to Thibel. I think it would be fine. I just think it's a little steep. Um, so to me, if they do match it. I don't, it doesn't signal that they're going one way or another. It just signals that they want to keep a player that they traded for and you want to keep good players on your team. Um, but if they don't match it, there is a world in which the Mavs just cashed in all of what they could to go get Matisse Thibel. I think that, um, like I said, I don't think it's going to be a wild overpay. It just seems like a little, a little bit steep. Um, but in general, I think it's pro- for a team that's trying to be good. This, it's a totally, totally reasonable way to go. So we will see what happens uh, with with Thibault. The other thing to watch on July 6th, I think this is important for the Blazers, is that trades that were agreed to and sign-in trades that were agreed to can be uh, finalized now that we're going to hit um, like the end of the moratorium and, and kind of the, like the true start of the new league year. Um, if the Miami Heat are getting creative in the way that they acquire Damian Lillard, and, and, and this is just like something we're going to have to consider on this podcast nonstop forever until it happens or it doesn't happen. But the money for Max Struess, who has agreed to be to sign a contract and be traded to the, to the Cleveland Cavaliers as part of a part of a sign and trade, um, that deal and the Oladipo, Victor Oladipo back to Oklahoma City trade, if those deals get finalized, that would strike me that it's getting more, even more complicated to get Dame. If those deals remain open, so like, okay, they've been agreed to, they've been reported, you know, last week sometime, we know that they're eventually going to happen, but they don't get finalized. I think that is something to raise both eyebrows and look at and say, okay, the reason the Heat aren't finalizing this is because they're trying to concoct a larger multi-team complicated deal that is probably above my pay grade to totally figure out. Although I've proposed one multi-team Oladipo deal on this, this very podcast, but like the Heat are keeping their options open and trying to make, trying to make sure that they don't, you know, tie off any, any of their loose ends, which would be valuable. Hey, I'm glad we have this loose end available because we can string it over here to do, to continue that analogy unnecessarily. So I think one thing to keep an eye on as we get into July 6th are what, what the, the, the Heat have agreed to some deals. The Gabe Benson thing doesn't matter because he's just going to the Lakers as a free agent, but the Max Struess deal and the Victor Oladipo deal that's in Cleveland and Oklahoma City are worth keeping an eye on, uh, Both probably both eyes. Um, and obviously keep always keep your, your third eye open. Uh, let's let's go to the third segment. I want to talk about the, what the uh, Blazers, it, you know, regardless of what happens with Thibel and regardless of what happens with Dame, they got to do more stuff. This team is incomplete as it is. Let's talk about the more stuff that they've considered and what they will need to consider moving forward. Join me in that third segment, won't you? Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Portland got moves to make regardless of what happens with the biggest move facing the franchise they're just not big enough right now regardless of what happens with Matisse Thibel they're not big enough right now this was a problem all last year and maybe they intentionally weren't big enough all season long 
Um, seems to me pretty obvious that they needed the third center for always and forever, and they just never got one. And maybe there was some financial constraints at the beginning of the year, and then by the time they were going to be competitive, they were bad, and they just chose not to be competitive. Sure, but they, they cannot go into this year without even a backup center, which they currently do not even have on the roster. Drew Eubanks left and signed with the Phoenix Suns. I saw that that signing was official. Congrats to Drew Eubanks. Trent Wofford was waived kind of unceremoniously on, on June 30th before his, his um, contract was guaranteed. He's not a big man, but he's a big. He's like their third center, small ball five, power forwardy type player. He's not... Doesn't really fit power forward because it's not a skill set. He's probably a center, weirdly enough. Um, certainly on offense, I think he's a center. You could do, debate with whomever what position he plays on defense. I think that's the way the league is positionless: is that you have two different roles on either side of the floor, floor depending on your skill sets. But regardless, regardless of what I think about positions, they're trying to Watford. The Blazers need to get bigger. Even if they're going to go young, they need to get bigger. If this is a full rebuild, they need to get bigger. They, you know, they have the. They're going to have Jeremy Grant playing power forward and making a whole bunch of money. Congrats to Jeremy Grant. Um, they need to... They do not have a center behind Yusuf Nurkic, and they don't really have other power forwards on the roster right now as it stands. They need to shore up the four and five positions. Um, I don't think it makes money. It makes sense to spend a bunch of money in free agency pursuing that goal, but they're going to need to add guys on cheaper deals to make it happen and according to a couple different reports uh first mark stein of the steinland reported that the blazers have had interest in dante hall who plays um for monaco in the french league the team that just beat victor Wembanyama's uh, club in the french in the french pro a championship game uh, monaco also plays in, in in the euro league so this is like the highest level of euro league is certainly the highest level of competition i don't like the french league is regarded as such but um you know euro league is the highest level of competition outside the nba and in in, in in the world and dante hall is you know playing and having some success as a starter, 6'10", big man who had a cup of coffee in the league, including, um, I'm familiar with him as a member of the Orlando Magic, but um, he, you know, he's 6'10", he's he's like a, a center power forwardy type, and the Blazers have reportedly had interest in bringing him. He's 26 years old, spent the last two years in Europe bringing him into the fold. The Blazers have also been linked to extremely big man Eddie Tavares, uh, formerly a second-round pick, uh, was in was in the Hawks organization and then has been playing in Europe since. He's 31, like he's a vet in in playing in, in Euroball. Um, he's huge though, seven three, um, playing for Real Madrid, like playing in a really you know playing in Euroleague, playing in the Spanish league, like playing in the highest competitions in the world outside of the NBA. Uh, according to Aaron Fentress of the Oregonian, the Blazers were going to extend or or had can considered extending a multi-year offer to to Tavares but he has a huge buyout number six million dollars um and that's like that's not you can't you know you just got to spend that money if you're the Blazers it's not like salary cap money or, or that's like a separate bucket to like deal with a buyout um and if Real Madrid isn't going to let him out of his buyout if they're going to they want the money. That's why it's in his contract. Seems like too big of a hurdle for him to get there. So I know that the Blazers had considered it. According, or I don't know. According to reports from Aaron Fentress of the Oregonian, the Blazers had considered offering Tavares this multi-year deal, but um, have you know there are there are hurdles to get there. And to me, that six million dollar thing seems like a hurdle that you are just not going to clear um, for a thirty-one year old big man. But you know. Um, I think this gives you a sense of how the Blazers are approaching free agency. They're looking outside of, 
um, sort of the obvious lists compiled by the people who compile lists, myself included. It's like when I'm writing down like, well, what about Tony Bradley or Moses Brown or, or Mo Bamba? They're like, we're looking at players who play in leagues professionally because we know more than you, dummy, um, all over the world. Um, this is, I think, particularly if the Blazers go the rebuild route, um, I don't feel this way about Tavares at 31, but for someone like Dante Hall, Dante Hall at 26, it's like, what if you just, what if you give, take a flyer on Dante Hall and he turns out to be an NBA player? It's a great deal. It's a great deal. And like, then you have, you know, he's entering his physical prime. You have like, you found an NBA player outside of the NBA who you can sign to a contract and be part of the plan regard, like as you go young and he's, he can be helpful as a four or five and, and, and moving forward like that for, you know, four plus seasons at his current age. Like it's perfect for the rebuild. It to totally, totally sort of fits, fits, um, would fit a go young, take a risk on someone outside of the, you know, a slight risk, I guess, playing in like high level basketball, but take a slight risk on someone outside the league and, and then see what, see what happens. Like they just have to get bigger. So targeting a seven, three center, sure. But targeting like six ten rim runner, like hall, um, all of his highlights, I watched little bit of highlights before I recorded the show. All of his highlights are like lob dunks. He's, he gets up above the rim, finishes with two hands, you know, finishes inside as, as, as a guy who, um, you know, works the dunker spot and, 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 and makes it happen. He's, um, uh, I, yeah, I, I like it. literally I'm watched, I've watched eight minutes of him on YouTube. I'm not, I mean to suggest that I've scouted him, but sure, I'm interested in him as an idea. Regardless if they go that route, if they go overseas, like, you know, there's, there's like I said, Mo, there's Mo Bamba, there's Tony Bradley, there's Moses Brown, former Blazer great, um, that are just like minimum guys you could sign to play to play center. There's Nate Knight, Nathan Knight, who's played for the uh, the Hawks and, and the um and the Timberwolves, who I kind of think is like a totally legitimate backup center. Although he has some limitations, but totally like he's not huge. I think it's maybe because he's like power forward size, but backup center. I think I, I think that's worth a worth a consideration. You know, Juancho Hernan Gomez, who's like a he's a he's a bench guy for sure, deep bench guy in the league, but like totally competent uh, power forwardy type that that could um, the Blazers could consider. The way I understand it, they could bring back Trandon Watford. Uh, once he clears waivers, I believe he's an unrestricted free agent, free to sign with any team. I do not believe the reacquisition rule applies to Watford because he was waived and not traded. So, like, if they need a big, they could just go back that route. But here's the thing, and this is what I wanted to get to, and we'll close it on this. So much of what the Blazers do is tied up in the decision they make with Dame. And the further they wait down the line and they don't make moves, and maybe that decision with Dame includes trading Yusuf Nurkic and all those things, right? Like maybe it's 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 a big re reshuffling and, and then but so much of, of what they do there is is like so much of the Dame decision ties up the rest of the roster decisions. So Matisse Thibel is really going to force their hand to make a decision about what they do in the future. And if he makes, you know, four for you know, fifty million dollar contract, maybe you maybe that's you just tell them the best of luck out there to you. But um, it's the, we are getting to the point where the sort of transactions are going to dry up over the next 10 days. Like most of the f like NBA eligible free agents, guys who can like be impactful on an NBA roster, or at least like conceivably be one of the 10 dudes on the NBA roster, they will have jobs. And so the, if the Blazers are waiting on Dame, they're kind of stuck with the scraps, which is why I'm only mentioning minimum guys when I'm when I'm doing the like, who else could they target? And I'm not even sure Mo Bamba's going to sign for the minimum. Um, I know Bobo just got released, and some of you are Oregon grads, and like, sure, 
I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like wave the flag because I don't think Bobo is very good. But she's certainly an interesting type of player, and if they go young, adding interesting type of players uh, has some value. But they gotta make they they need to make decisions. But Dame is going to delay their decisions because if they if it's like a multi-team trade and the Blazers get back four or five players in that trade, they gotta figure out what to do with those and where they fit and all of those things. So. Um, a lot of the decisions they can make are tied up in the in the big decision hovering over them. And I think they might be forced into making some minor moves as they move forward. But they are indeed going to be minor because the big move is going to dictate whatever comes next. Okay, that's going to do it for today's show. Come back for tomorrow's show. We'll do more. Friday shows, we're going to preview the G League stuff. Or G League. We're going to preview the Summer League action. Uh, Thursday, we'll continue to round up the latest rumors and all we can surrounding the Blazers and the offseason, including probably what happens with Matisse Thibel. Keep it locked right here. Tell your friends about the show. I appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.